0: this is radiate the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ tissue and eye donors recipients and information you need to know about donation welcome back to episode two of radiate i'm audrey coleman your host Thank you for joining us. Today, we have a great show in store for you. We have with us today, Samantha Johnson and her mother, Jill Johnson. Samantha received a heart transplant soon after she was born. So we can't wait to get right into this and hear this story. Samantha and Jill, we really appreciate you taking this time to sit down and talk with us.
1: We're happy to be here. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks for for having us. Jill, my first question is for you. Could you share the situation that led to Samantha receiving a heart? Just let our audience know exactly what happened that led up to finding out that that was going to be necessary.
1: Uh, Samantha uh, was born with a congenital heart infection called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which really is a long word that just means the left side of her heart that involves the lungs did not develop properly. And after she was born, um, it became apparent. Um, We did not know before she was born that she had a heart defect. She was born in Fayetteville and was shortly after birth was life-flighted to Arkansas Children's in Little Rock, where they diagnosed her. And when she was three days old, she had a um, bypass surgery called the Norwood Procedure, which... um, really was sort of a that's uh, in those years was sort of a bridge to transplant there's it's a three stage repair uh the techniques have improved since then and and uh some children do very well with it Samantha did not we were not able to get her off the respirator after that surgery and so we put her on the transplant list and when she was 6 weeks old we got the news that there was a heart available and our family um, often tells the story Uh, of just standing in the lobby at Arkansas Children's Hospital and watching through the window as the surgeon arrived on a helicopter and popped off and ran inside with a little blue ice chest. Wow. So that that was sort of a seminal moment in our family. And uh, the surgery lasted about six hours, and um, she had multiple complications after surgery and was in the hospital for a total of about four months. And finally came home, and um, the first couple of years was pretty touch-and-go for Samantha. Um, but you wouldn't know it looking at her now.
0: That, and that is just so great. Um, so, so you said that it was kind of touch-and-go for a while. So does that mean, I'm sure she spent a lot of time in doctors' offices and in hospitals during that time.
1: Yes, her, her entire life she spent lots of time in doctors' offices and hosp- in hospitals. She transplanted is what they call a palliative therapy um it's it's not a cure um but it it allows the person to kind of do life you continue to take medicine uh to prevent your body from rejecting the heart so that often that medicine causes a lot of complications so samantha's a fighter and has done very well so we're very proud of her
0: well let's talk to the star of this interview samantha um obviously you don't remember receiving the transplant but How has being a heart recipient impacted your life? I mean, obviously, part of it is just that
2: I wouldn't be here. (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten to live at all, Um, which is I've learned through getting more connected with the transplant community that that's more of a rare story. Usually, it's this, here's my life before transplant, and here's my life after, and I really didn't have a life before transplant, and so that's kind of unique and different. I'm learning. But I think with that, I was like 11 or 12, and I really started to understand what that means to be a transplant recipient and the ramifications of that, of a donor family, and um, what that means. And I think um, I struggled for a while with just survivor's guilt. Of the only reason I'm here is that someone else is not, and what do you, how do you reconcile that? And And so I think that's been one, like, theme, like, not a theme, but hard thing about, I don't know, my story, trying to figure that out. Um, But in other ways, also learning alongside that, that this is such a gift, um, that someone was um, willing to look beyond their grief of their child um, and give hope to someone else. um, And that I should enjoy life, that I get to be here and, um, graduated college and have a job that I love and family and friends that I love. And um, and so in other ways, it's, um, I think, often makes me grateful. Um, and then sometimes I forget, too, like, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I think um, it's definitely, in some ways, made me have to, I don't know, mature a little faster, giving me a different perspective on life, and Mm -hmm, um, which is a good thing. And I think prepared me for adulthood really well, really well. And it's been so cool all these opportunities to share my story of how God has just used this um, in my life to bring me closer to Him and become in a relationship with Him, and also um, just share what He's done and
1: um, just what a gift that is in itself. Onto that, um, when Samantha had her heart transplant, uh, it was a pretty rare procedure, especially for infants. I think she mm-hmm. may have been the ninth infant in Arkansas ever transplanted. And they told, didn't really know how it, you know, the, the outcome might be and told us, oh, this heart will probably, um, give her another five to 10 years. And here we are 25 years later. So, um, Just the sovereignty of God is pretty evident there. And um, the other thing is, you know, addressing the survivor guilt. Samantha had an experience a year and a half ago at the transplant games in Utah, and she met um, Mm -hmm. some donor families, not Mm her, but another donor family. And she had a conversation that really... I think, put things into perspective for her and gave her a lot of comfort. Do you want to share that or not? So I got, well, I guess
2: three or four years ago, mom and I started going to a transplant support group. I There were some years there that I would not have been interested in that, um, but I was at that point. Um, and so mom and I decided to go, and that's been a life-changing thing for me. Um and part of that, in going, you I got to hear about the transplant games and ended up going. And so just being able to plug into a community of people that struggle with the same things and get it um, and taking away that isolation of like, oh, it's only me and no one understands, you know, mm-hmm. like that's yeah. not true. There's this whole community of transplants and of recipients and donors out there who get it. Um, and so. Anyway, we went to the transplant games, and I loved it. Um, I competed in swim, uh, two swim events, and basketball. How did you do, Sam? I made fourth in swim, and then our basketball team made it to the semifinals. That's so, That's great. It was really fun, and um, like Mom said, meeting the Joner families was the most impactful thing for me, honestly. I mean, the whole thing was fun, and it was amazing to see how many people are recipients and donors and that there this huge community out there. Um, but I was really uncomfortable talking to the donor families. I felt awkward and I didn't really mm-hmm. want to hear their story because it just made me feel guilty and weird. And but it was so good um, to hear their stories and hear how for them, it was hopeful to show this is giving meaning to my grief, you know, and, there was one lady in particular, she was asking me about what I learned and what my experience with survivor skills has been. And so we're talking about that. And she looks at me and she said, my husband did not die for you. He died and we got to give life to someone else. Like he would have died anyway. It was like These are separate events that are now connected. And that was a game changer for me because um, I have had people say to me in the past, you know, how does it feel that someone had to die for you to live? And um, of course, that just sticks with you. And and so it was so helpful and freeing for me to hear that perspective. And yeah, it's just an awesome
0: experience. Well, and that was such a, a, an incredible gift for you. You weren't expecting to go there, meet another donor family member who provided you with some comfort and helped to ease the guilt that you were feeling that you certainly did, weren't required to feel. There was no reason for you to feel that guilt, but what an incredible gift to go there to meet someone who actually could help you work through that.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Jill, can you, just thinking back on this, the entire experience with your daughter, what was that like having, cause you mentioned this was not something that was a regular occurrence. There were not, babies receiving transplants on a regular basis. Um, so it was a fairly novel um, event. So how did, how did that change your life, though, from the time that she, she received the transplant and then just her, her childhood? Did you consider her childhood to, to be um, so much different from other children's, or did you try to do things to make her feel that she was not different from other children?
1: Just before Samantha's first heart bypass surgery, I met another family at the hospital whose 10-year-old son was recovering from his ninth heart surgery. Uh, he was not a transplant patient, but he was, he was a, heart, uh, a heart patient. Mm-hmm. And the family was all smiles, and they were celebrating that he had finally eaten his first meal since this procedure. Um, and even in the midst of her own situation, this boy's mother noticed that I was a newbie on the hall. And she came over and introduced herself, and we spoke for a few minutes. And what she said next um, both scared me and encouraged me. She said that parenting a child with chronic heart problems was the hardest thing she had ever done in her life, but that it was also the most rewarding thing she had ever done, and that mm-hmm. she would choose it again. Uh, I've never mm-hmm. seen that mother again, but that conversation settled something in me and anchored me in a way that's really continued to encourage me for 25 years now. It's amazing how um, just a few words from a loved one or even a stranger can comfort and challenge and encourage us through life and stick with us. She has, she probably doesn't even remember me, but it, it, um, that was a, an impactful moment for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My, my, shortly after we were able to bring Samantha home from the hospital, my grandmother came to see her and to visit us. And she asked how I was doing I don't really remember how I replied, but I do remember clearly what she said. She said, this little girl will be the joy of your life. And she was so right. Samantha's just truly a joy. And I'm so thankful to have been given the privilege of being her mom. And I'm deeply grateful to the family who was able to look beyond their own grief in Samantha's words and and give my child a chance at life uh, through organ donation. Another... Another conversation that sticks out in my mind is how do you, you know, how do you parent a child a child who is immunosuppressed you know, and who's fragile in her early years? When she was two, we were finally sure her immune system was strong enough that, that we could take her to church. And uh, for the first time I put her in a Sunday school class with some other children. <laughs> and when I stood in line to pick her up after church, the the parents in front of us in line said, our child has a fever and I just flipped. I lost it. So we got in the car and my husband looked over at me and he said, Jill, we have to make a choice right now. We can keep her in a plastic bubble or we can just let her live her life and do the best we can. And then let God handle the rest of it. And that moment we decided to just let her be. And she's been a, a, she's our our daredevil and she loves roller coasters (laughs) She likes rock climbing and (laughs) wakeboarding, And we just uh, try to encourage her just to, just to live, just, just, just do it. Enjoy it.
0: Sam, what do you, what do you think about that? That, that, that that's what your parents were thinking about at that time, Um, not just how to protect you, but how to make sure that you had the kind of life that you would enjoy living. How does that make you feel?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty amazing. I don't know if that's, other people's experiences or not but i do think that's um not the natural reaction probably to having a child with significant health problems and so i'm just grateful um, that that is their response and that's continued to be as i've said hey i want to wakeboard or we're going on trip, or
1: whatever i want to be a missionary in east asia Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, okay.
0: You are adventurous.
1: You know, you asked what I've learned over the years, and mm-hmm. I've really just come to understand that as a parent, uh, my children do not belong to me. Um, they are a sacred trust that God has given me, the task of loving and protecting and providing and equipping, but also allowing them to grow up and come into their own and take on the tasks that God's prepared for them to do.
0: Well, Jill and Sam, it has been an incredible pleasure to speak with both of you today. But before we go, I'd like for each of you, if you would, just to let us know in your own words, why you think registering to become an organ tissue and eye donor is so important.
2: I think in the past, um, when I first started, I've done a couple things with Aurora um, over the last several years. And I think at first it was really uncomfortable for me. Um, just because I have such a biased opinion about it <laughs> um, and so I used to think well I shouldn't be a part of this conversation because I'm so biased you know um, but um, I've had several really good conversations with people at Aurora and others that are like no like you're showing like what how organ donation can impact people in such a great way and that it Provides this hope for the families who are grieving, um, that here's this way you can tangibly help someone else um, amongst this mess, um, that you can turn this um, mess and um, horrible thing into something that's beautiful. And so, I think that's what I would say is um, that it's this is an opportunity to. Yeah, take something that's broken and not right and turn it into something that's beautiful and and can help others. And who knows like what their
1: life
0: is going to be
2: like, but that
1: it's life changing.
0: Very, very nicely said, Sam. And Jill, what about you?
1: I don't think I can add anything to that. Samantha captured it.
0: Both of you. Thank you so much for spending this time with our audience. Um, we appreciate you being here and sharing your family story. We just are so happy that you were able to be here today. And if any of you have any questions for us, please call at 501-907-9150. And if you're ready to make a life-restoring decision and register to become an organ, tissue, and eye donor, go to DonateLifeArkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications. Copyright 2020.